Maybe maybe someone heard that. I don't think anybody heard that. Maybe they, I hope they heard us. Go? I hope they heard us trying to figure out why there's no audio to the intro music. Where where'd the sound go? That was that was atypical. You know what? We blame whatever. That. Uh, you know what? We are now experiencing technical difficulties. Yeah, but the episode is live. 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 You guys know who we are. You know, I'm the host that talks first, D. I am the host that talks other times. Corey Petty. <laughs> And I'm the third host, Jesse Broke. Yeah. Up, We're doing a double double episode this week. We are, man. You know, because uh, we can. So you're welcome <laughs> to everyone listening. This has been the best week of your life. So uh, <laughs> that's so rude when I do stuff like that. I'm is sorry. It, it is. It, it's, it, it's like implying that their life isn't good until we're in it. You know. Do you have a, a commercial about you're asking stuck. people, <laughs> why don't we just play it? Play the commercial. Are you working in a job that sucks balls? Does your job suck and ergo your life? Do you want to change that because your life is sucking? Join the TBP Slack. Get a better job. I like the like chicken suit pants. It's like kicking around in her apartment. Like, yeah. Clearly. Like, <laughs> they're like that's a good clip because their life does look like it's not going too well. She's like, my life is boring. Yeah, she looks she looks like an unexciting version of Ripley from Aliens. Like if she didn't have the Alien <laughs> Adventures, she just worked the other corporate job. You know. Anyways, yeah. that was a nerdy reference. Uh, so the Bitcoin podcast. For those of you that are new to the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, we talk about all things crypto, baby. We've been doing this for years. So you need to get on board with this shit. We've been doing it for years. Um, today, uh, we're going to be discussing token distributions and what it does for a community. Right? Community. The community. How about it? How do you want to start this? Where do you want to go? I can take so, it. I can. I can. I can. I can take it from a bunch of different perspectives. So the first perspective, um, let's go Eiffel Tower on this. You go from the front. I'll go from the back. Whoa! Wow. What? No, no, no. That's not what I, I'm talking. Like because an wow. Eiffel Tower on an Eiffel Tower, you have to build from the front facing side of it. Wow. 
Oh man! So anyway. then I should go from the front. Sure, go ahead. Take it. Take it off. Take it to the top. So, <laughs> token distribution means there is. So first, the word distribution means. Um, why is that up there? Why is that continuous? Oh, for token, I got it. Token, I get it. I'm. I'm. We're on there now. Uh, so say you got a million people, right? A distribution would say certain uh, proportions, certain rations of that million people have a certain amount of the things that you're giving them. So if there's a million people and you've got five million, um, five million tokens, uh, then and it was an even distribution, totally egalitarian. We know that's not reality, but if every one of those million people got the same amount of tokens, then you'd have five million tokens divided by one million people. Each person would get five tokens. It would be distributed evenly. Uh, if you had a normal distribution of tokens in that one million people, I believe somewhere around eighty-six percent of the people would lie between. What is it, Corey? Like, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. Yeah, there's a normal distribution. For those of you that know normal distributions, like uh, there's the bell curve. That's the normal distribution, and naturally, yeah. there would be like uh, a, a large group of people that would have the most but everyone would come around the median of what was, you know, so um, that's distribution and it's important that affects a community and it affects the tokenomics, which would get exist inside of that community. Why does it, why does it, affect, here's a question immediately after what you just said, why does it affect the token economics okay. of that community? So I'll, I'll, I'll step out of crypto for a second. I'll step into GPP land right now. There's a wealth distribution crisis in which the top 1% wealthy on the planet own way, way, way more than 50%. Those people at the top those, corner. Those guys up there. One of those is Elon Musk. And one of them is uh, Jeff Bezos. And this other one here is... Uh, the guy Buffett. you've never heard of that pulls yeah. strings. Yeah. And so since they have so much of the distribution of wealth in USD, in, I guess in GPP land... They get to make decisions and live in a world that nobody else gets to and do things that nobody else gets to do and make laws and change laws and give all sorts of fuck yous to the rest of the community with which they live in and directly benefit from. Um, now, let's take that into the crypto world. It, it gets a, there's a little bit more nuance because sometimes these tokens have weight. And when I say weight, they have like decision making weight. Um, they have value, which kind of uh, Im implicitly turns someone into the Jeff Bezos of their community. If they're the one that has 95% of the tokens, then they're the one that decides what the hell happens in that community, right? So uh, that is how they affect things, Corey. They basically are, they just, they show who are the deciders, who gets to- Why? to Well, I think it also kind of depends. Like it depends on if it's a governance token or if it's just a- just not a governance token. If it's a governance token, one a token implying that if you're the holder of the token, you get to have an effect on how that network changes and adapts. Then, if you have ninety percent of the governance, then it's basically a U token. It's like yeah. a yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> you know, this is this is my token. Thank you, ten percent, for telling me what you want, but I don't care because I'm going to yeah. do what I want with the ninety percent that I own. <laughs> Absolutely. Or control or influence. 
and so this is i think governance and stuff is not a new conversation but it's it's much more mature now that we I would seen- I would argue the new part to why we talk about governance tokens and in crypto or like governance being an aspect of what you can do with the cryptocurrency is that it 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 directly ties both uh the value with the governance as opposed to this implicit tie that you have in GPP land, right? So like right now, like the ultra rich have a tremendous influence on governance through lobbying, um, through funding companies that, you know, that do their will. And so like a lot of that kind of influence and on, on, on how things get done is a few degrees of separation from from directly from their money, right? You assume they have power because they have money, but it's not a direct thing. It's not like, oh, he has a million dollars. That's that's explicitly this power in in this particular governance process. And what you're seeing with these cryptocurrencies, some of them, um, is that uh, voting for particular decisions is directly like the weight of an individual's vote is directly influenced by the amount of tokens that they hold in that community, right? And, and this is where like quadratic voting has come in. And so like what's interesting about that is that you can set up rules with the smart contracts defining what that defining exactly what that weight is, which changes uh how a particular distribution affects the outcome of a vote based on what you think is interesting. So right now, say if you had like if you had a one-to-one mapping, your your weight of a vote is directly linked to uh, your weight in what your relative holding of that cryptocurrency is. If I have fifty percent of the token supply, my weight in a vote is literally fifty percent of that of that decision. Right? That's a, that's a one-to-one mapping of value to my weight in a in a governance decision. Does that make sense? First, it, it actually does make sense, Corey. I right. also like to. I was going to show I, I, people a video of quadratic voting, but you have a video going. of quadratic voting set up. I do. I just had it pulled up, ready to go. Just, I've prepared. Well, well, let me let me get to quadratic voting first before you give the video. Right? Sounds like a plan. So the idea, and this is just one example of how you change that mapping from the amount of tokens that you own towards your uh, and 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 what weight you have in a given decision. Cue it up. Radical change. Look at this guy. Uh, And so the idea of quadratic voting, which you're probably about to see, is you're changing that mapping to to lean the power more towards the the group of people who don't have all the money. So uh, the weight of your vote is the square root of how much you have. Right? So that means that the, the less you have, the more relative power it is. One vote... The square root of one is one, right? Square root of nine is three. And so if I vote with one token, it's only one third. Uh, it's only one third of the power of someone who has nine, like nine times more than me. Instead of it being nine, like one ninth, the power of that. So it limits the power of the ultra rich. And since most token distributions, if you look at most token distributions by far, and, 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 and this is across the board with like most value, 
any fiat currencies, any gold things, it's usually pooled into small, like large, small amounts of people have the overwhelming majority of value in any given community, more often than not, right? Yeah. That means that more often than not, a small amount of people are making most of the decisions on behalf of everyone else. And so the idea of quadratic voting is to kind of take that gap and minimize it a little bit so that the ultra rich don't have as much power and the large amount of people the commons is what usually what they're called in some in some cases have more power and so you're mm -hmm. capturing a lot of what they want versus like just delegating to a few people who decide on behalf of them so go ahead with the video yeah i have some interesting like philosophical things and i'd like to dabble into but let's watch this video uh it's a video it's called video explanation of quadratic voting and quadratic funding by john john clark I'm pretty sure we're going to get a copyright strike for this or whatever YouTube does. But don't really give a fuck. We just want to give you guys information. So here we go. <laughs> we'll see. It's really low. Turn that up. Turn it up. Yeah, too low. Can't hear it. Too low? Oh, let me try something. Turn up system volume. Yeah, I don't know where my little... Volume You're learning with us. In a rapidly changing world. And if we look at these building blocks we're talking about, bam, 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 bam. You pause it. As you can see, these are quadratic building That's blocks. That's good. Yeah, all the way up. Video today. Yep. And that is quadratic voting. Sorry, guys. Yeah, just play. Just play. Yeah. I need to keep going. Quadratic finance. So without further ado, let's get into quadratic and when you think of quadratic alarm bells might be going off in your head you might be thinking back to school and seeing visions of these equations and these graphs <laughs> being very perplexed and confused but it's actually pretty simple and it's very cool and effective so let's start off with quadratic voting it essentially allows people to express the relative strength of their preferences in a democratic process I just wanted to stop right there and reflect on how easy it is to learn from someone with a delicate German accent. Is it not? Is, is it that not German? Really? I'm pretty sure that's German. I don't think it is. Let's pray. Let's let's keep listening. I don't think it's German. You might be thinking, hmm, so how does that work? So imagine we have 50 different proposals that exist, and you want to now express your preference of these different proposals. Well, we have this quadratic function, which you can actually see over here in the bottom, and essentially... What it maps to South Africa is for every number Fuck. of votes you're right. you have, you're right. the root of that is the number of votes you actually get. So imagine I, John John, have 100 voice credits. One voice credit is one vote, four voice credits are two votes, etc., etc. So if I cast nine voice credits, the root of nine is three. And it will huh. I've never seen this video. Turns out, now, same example I gave. Voting <laughs> Basically, no longer would 51 people who support a proposal but barely care about the issue outvote 49 incredibly passionate opponents, predictably making society worse in the process. So essentially, quadratic voting on average is the ideal way of allowing people to more and more impose their desires on the rest of society, but at an ever-escalating cost. And people are more likely to vote strongly, not only about issues they care more about, but issues they know more about.
out. And this is really the beauty of quadratic voting. So remember, in a nutshell, it allows people to express the relative strength of their preferences in a democratic process. Now, let's look a bit Can we cut it there? Okay. The two problems we offer. Any questions there? I mean, like, how, how do you think that differentiated from my explanation of quadratic voting? It didn't. I just wanted to use the cool, fancy production tools that we have. And see if we could do it seamlessly. <laughs> just to get just to get banned from YouTube real quick. Cool. No, I don't. Th I don't think. I don't think this guy is gonna copyright strike us. I just took a look at his webpage. He looks like he's an educator. He's looked like, hey, my education's yours. Can you describe in square root of one hundred words or less the square root of the Bitcoin? I see what you did there. Yes to crypto. And I think we can. I think we can do that. Um, <laughs> do you want to do it right now? Best crypto source alive. Yeah. Uh, the Bitcoin podcast is infotainment for the masses. Done. Jesse, what, what, what do you got? Um... TVP is community. Mm. I like it. I like it a lot. We need, I wish we had like a hand clap. It's almost like we had a soundboard or something that could play noises with the push of a button. Uh, if only we bought one of those and <laughs> used it. And you know, that's actually what I'm trying to set up right now. That's actually what D bought and never used for like, yeah. well, he used it for like three episodes and then, and then he changed something on his computer and it never worked again. Then he said oh. he was going to give it to Alicia and then he never did that either. Oh my God. <laughs> Called people, out. People are, people are saying we need to clean up our rooms. And by our, I mean you, Mr. Petty, and you. Talking about, I got a great room. This is great. I just got my fireplace. Just a jacket on the couch. Yeah, my fireplace, and you got a little garden over here. You got here. My room's fine. They hate us. Whatever. We may be. Anyway, uh, actually, I don't care either. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> like, I wanted to get back to the conversation of like, yeah, cool. Like, why does that matter? I think it, I think what's interesting about this is that we, crypto gives us the opportunity to uh, see what a distribution is immediately. And so like you're able to have a better idea of what your relative weight is in a given in a given community based on who has what percent of the tokens. And then if you if there is a governance model, if there is voting and token distribution has any influence on that voting, then you know where you stand in terms of your opinion <laughs> automatically before you before before you do it. And that's a really important thing that I don't think we have today. Like, like let's take for like voting, for instance, right? Most people are very Oh shit. Like what's the word I'm looking for? Like defeated when it comes to governance voting, at least in America, or probably any 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 national system. Because one, like I'm not really sure what weight my vote has in any given jurisdiction that I'm in. Calm down with the extreme close ups. Jesse. <laughs> this is just figuring his camera out. No, no, no! I'm uh, I'm binding a, a MIDI controller to everything now. This is gonna be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, th so that's very true, Corey. Like, I don't know the power of my vote. 
in this system of the U.S. Well, I know the power of my vote. If I'm voting in certain states, I might as well just be pissing on a wall. But, you know, that sucks. Quadratic voting is a way of basically giving your voice more power. No, well, yeah. It's it, it, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you find yourself to have an amount of value in that community, that's about like on average, you just you're like an, an average holder in that specific community. You're going to have more relative weight if they implement quadratic voting. Mm-hmm. If you are a whale in that community, you're going to have a lot less in terms of trying to assert your influence on that community. Mm-hmm. That's a, those are two very distinctive things. Yeah, and, and and crypto gives us the ability to do both at the same time. Like, like you, could, it's not, it's it's not unreasonable to have multiple governance processes in any given community for blockchain. You can say like this vote happens to be governed by quadratic voting. This one's just a direct one to one mapping. And but with, regardless of it all, I I have the information to understand what my voting power does, and vote accordingly with whatever whatever influence I have or like gate try and gain the influence that I want in order to assert myself appropriately within that community. And once again, this is confined to a specific community. If I'm if I'm trying to make a governance decision on a DeFi DAO, it's usually constrained to that thing based on whatever holding I have for that thing. What's interesting about that, even more so, is that if I want to I can move that value to a different community. But in the process of doing so, I lose my power in the previous one. How do I do that? I trade my tokens. I sell my tokens for a different token. And now I have power in a different community. But not because I copied it. I actually transfer it. And that's something that's like incredibly powerful that I don't think people understand yet. Yeah, I can it, take it, it, my influence from one community and I can move it to another one. Yeah, and then that, that means like if you if you're a big uh, if you're a big shot, you're a big old fish in a in a medium sized pond, and then all of a sudden one big fish from another pond jumps into your pond. Guess what, homie? Two big fish now. You're a smaller <laughs> fish, bro. You're a nah. smaller fish. Well, you're the same size fish, but now it's there's gonna two, get a little crowded. So it's gonna get crowded, right? Like so, it's it's kind of dope. It's really dope. I like to. This is why I love this, this is, and why I like that crypto is actively experimenting with this new way to, 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 to weigh votes and incentivize people to participate in communities. Because I think, hold on, let's throw this comment up here before I get to all my soap, soapbox response. Multiple governance. Yes, some things require different decision trees. Think expense management at a corporation or million dollar checks take different decision tree than $50 checks. That's very true. That's that's good for like distributed autonomous organizations. Yeah, that's, that's very good, true. It's an answer for like why would you have different governance processes for a given community? Absolutely. My management team they have a budget, and if something is bigger than a, a single transaction supposed to be, I get an email and I look at it. And I'm like, hey, what's up with this? Why you need this big ass shit? Oh, I need it for this. All right, cool. Other than that, they can do whatever they want. So, um. Now, uh, what I was getting at was, I think humanity, humanity is an ever evolving thing. And so is society. Society is like just this organically growing, always evolving. Where is that noise coming from? Does anybody else hear that noise? That's me. This organically evolving thing with emergent properties that emerge depending upon what humanity is going through at the time. I think that in history, um, 
<laughs> I'm about to red pill the fuck out of y'all. No, I'm playing. Uh, I think in history, maybe centralization was a good thing, but when it gets abused, then new properties emerge. And I think centralization, like kings, um, tribunals, like these huge central entities that guide people and guide large swaths of people. Um, and religions. religions is, an, is another one. Excuse me. But I think that what always ends up happening with those very singular centralized systems is that information and value and literally currency probably just get trapped in bubbles. They get trapped in these buckets and then they don't move. And since they can't move and they're not agile, new systems come and kind of make whatever was going on irrelevant. Right. Like uh, England, they used to have king and queen. They ran the show. Now the Queen of England is basically like a, I don't know, like a postcard, like a walking postcard. Nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody really cares about her very much except for people in England. And the Parliament basically does all things and controls all money and controls all everything. So like, if the Queen were like, yeah, attack this random country, Parliament would be like, no, go back to walking. What are you doing? So, um, I, I think what quadratic voting is starting to to do. And I could use my Negro Domus icon on this one is that as humanity is like moving as fast as it is and ignorance is something that you that like can dissolve so fast. Like I can get a college education right now for free. It won't be credentialed. But I can get it through YouTube videos, Coursera, multiple universities open up their library. I can get a college education for free. Won't get credentialed, but I can get it. So ignorance isn't trapped anymore. Different people have access to information, which means that the vertical is the, 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 the time it takes to go from one point in society to knowing all the things and increasing your value in society is a lot smaller than it used to be. Mm, right? Mm -mm. Nope. 100% no. You don't think so? Well, I'll keep going. I'll, I'll tell I you think, why. I, I think, think you just way. need an internet connection. And so people that don't have an internet no, connection are kind of fucked. Uh, and there's laws for going on for that right now in the states, actually trying to get like free internet to people. But um, I just feel like um, the people at the top can't be there for that much longer anymore. As, I think they can. You think so? Yeah. So what you just described is a wonderful ideal, but oh, yeah. that requires people understanding and having the willpower to get to that point, understanding and having a skill set to. Uh, find the things that push them in the right direction, which is yeah. is not is not simple. Like, how do we have a very large swath of the human existence trying to currently feel that the Earth is flat? How large is it, or is it exactly? All right. Well, like, would you consider misinformation to be a thing? Oh, I know it's a thing. Would you consider it to be useful and effective? Well, not useful. Would you consider it to be effective? Mm -hmm. why who's doing it and what's the underlying motivation and who's in who and who is who's the like people don't have the skill set to discern between what is good information and what is bad information anymore and it's getting worse and worse and worse deep fakes are becoming real whereas like i'm not going to like you're not going to be able to discern between uh anything on the internet being real or not and that type of situation <laughs> means that the world you just described of like, I can get a college education for free is very true. 
but the skill set to get that is not easy to come by. And the skills and acquiring that skill set is becoming very, very, very difficult of how do I find the right information? How do I continue on it? How do I find communities that lead me in the right direction? And how do I avoid the nonsense? That's becoming incredibly difficult. And when we talk about like quadratic voting, we bring this back to quadratic voting. That means that the people who have ridiculous viewpoints within a community are gaining more power and asserting their will more and moving the direction towards what they would like it to be. And now I'm not saying it's one or the other. I'm not saying like one of one extreme or the other is the right position. It's somewhere in between, but like, this isn't like, like, this isn't utopia. This isn't solve all the issues. It just, it it just changes the, 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 like the, the pendulum on where influence is and who gets the habit. I didn't say it was utopia. I think utopia is a fool's fool, foolish person's. Yeah, but like giving a bunch of idiots or power is a dangerous thing too. Do you know? We so, just like, what do you want? Past, you know, we just lived through for like the past six years, right? Like, you just what? Were, you were alive during the last six years when we had a complete fucking idiot. Yeah, but that's that's country? that's one idiot and a bunch okay. of people and a bunch of cucks that follow him, like. I'll I'll give a shit if you. It's fine. Uh, And cuck, but it's like it's 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 a very difficult thing. This is a problem that we currently face on the internet: is the ability to discern between quality and non-quality information, (laughs) and the skill set to get there. Like what the picture there? That's a deep fake, and the video is very realistic, and it's going to get worse. And so, like. We start thinking about how individuals assert their influence on their communities. This, like, this is going to impact that, and the and and the ability of people to make things like like spread information that other people consume is gonna is gonna be is gonna be very influential, right? Like, if you can make people feel something because they don't have the capability of discerning between information. That you have basically control them and their will to and 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 whatever they do to assert their influence on on the communities they're in. Mm. So how does this tie into quadratic voting? Well, it ties into it because they're going to have more power. Like, like if you if you end up in a society where like the tech, people regardless do of quadratic the, voting, well, yeah. however you vote, like if, if if for some reason or another, large communities implement things like quadratic voting. It mm-hmm. moves the balance of power from the whales asserting their influence on whoever they want to the individuals who uh, are closer to the individuals uh, asserting what they want. But and, you just you just took a whole swath of time talking about how people are dumb, too dumb to like sift through the not all people, themselves. but it's it's difficult. I would say majority of people in crypto, majority of people in crypto are too dumb. They just yeah, but so, okay, yeah, but like I'm, what I'm saying is currently we, we're in, we're in a position where. Uh, misinformation is a problem and that's done like misinformation is literally done by people who are trying to spread a specific narrative and give it to people who don't who cannot discern between the two things not me right? sometimes i just don't know what the fuck i'm talking about hashtag not investment advice yeah that's but that's like that's not you falling for misinformation that's 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 <laughs> you just not giving a shit and if that if that's the case if we have two things one more power being gone to the more power being given to the individual 
that you're going to see more the people who are rich, who, whose votes no longer work, spending more of their value trying to spread misinformation so that the, mm. the masses who cannot discern things are making decisions that they don't understand. Mm. And that's like, you have to, you have to see that, right? Like that ha that's going to be an issue. If you, I don't know. I think governance, governing and governance is all very fascinating because it just changes that or I'm getting older, like just organically yeah. changing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't give a shit about politics until I got like I hit like 35. And I was yeah, like, it's just a light click on. Just switches on. It's like, <laughs> how do I vote about this street sign right here? It's crooked. <laughs> I need, I need somebody to know about it. This street sign is gonna get somebody killed out here. I didn't see it from that angle. Fuck, I gotta vote about this. I gotta vote now. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, I didn't mean to get too political there, but. I think it's I think it's an important thing to care about. Yeah, yeah. Without getting too political, it, but like it, that is though. So there's and there's this idea in sociology of social capital versus um, like material, uh, mm -hmm. basically some sort of material based capital like uh, monetary. Um, and so what you're saying is they're just essentially. I'm just going to kind of condense soup it. What what you guys were just talking about. So essentially, you're saying if they're not able to win the voting game by dumping enough money into the system to vote their way uh to being true they'll they'll use an alternate method of um, usurping communication routes Absolutely. by by using misinformation so they well, won't play the game because avenue, they can't right? win the game by money they, can, they won't game. use that avenue like they like so yeah. like if you think about value and money being a proxy for power mm -hmm. then in any, in any individual who would like to get something done within a community is going to use that power, whatever power they have or value they have, to get that thing done. If it can't be done through voting, then they use it a different way. They won't sure. vote. Or, 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 they're, or they're maximize what they can with the vote and then spend the rest of it making sure that other people vote the same way. And that's usually done through education or misinformation or whatever. Right? It's spreading information so that people believe the idea of what you're trying to do and follow suit and you can you, there's a lot of different names depending upon the motivation of what you're doing for that type of thing and and that's what's going to end up happening if yeah. that balance of power is disrupted in some way shape or form people always try to find a way to break the rules of the game uh or you know games have written rules and unwritten rules and the more power you have playing that game the more unwritten rules you get to use and that's just the way it is or sometimes written rules like if you just that's that's kind of what it is like the cock brothers you guys know the cock brothers right you're cock? doing that on purpose doing what <laughs> there's no way k-o-c-h yeah. cock the cock brothers anyways all right so, so all right. you guys um and that they're that's their nickname, right? That could be Keep your nickname for them. Well, nevertheless, there's these two guys in the U.S. Um, they're called the Cock Brothers, and they give an just a crazy a, several lifetimes worth amount of money to the political candidate that they like the most every time, in order to give that political candidate enough candidate enough money to run ads all throughout the country 
to get what they want so they can pay less taxes. That's pretty much all it really kind of boils down to. Um, and that's a rule. That sucks. We don't we'll, even if you put together three of our lifetimes worth of money, Corey, Jesse, and myself. I don't think that it would equate to the amount of money they put up every two years for the candidates of of choice that they want, right? So far, no, not even close. Yeah, like these guys, these two cocks put so much <laughs> on the table. Um, I can't. You know, <laughs> I can't. What are you talking about? You think just, you think it adds like well, like what layer are we on if if I don't even like smile at that like what layer of comedy is that I don't know I'm yeah. trying to that like I'm trying to layer? yeah anyways yeah. Um, so if, in like the in, in the crypto world <laughs> can't do it in the yeah, crypto really world difficult. let's say that Jesse Corey and myself we're going to make a make a make a crypto and we're the cocks. Uh, three cock brothers and we're but we own like 90 percent of like this goes back to the very same example uh we'll just be three cocks with all the money shitting on shitting on everyone else you know and yeah so, but like in terms of in terms of the crypto right if we're if we're gonna say that example then our community wouldn't stand for it like they just leave because because we, they don't they, we would like, convince what, them right we would use all, use alternate methods of communication well, like persuasion. we we we've built we've built a community that's somewhat resistant to that I think so like for for in our scenario that wouldn't work very well because if people don't yeah. like what we have to say and there's value associated with it they just leave yeah there's there's, there's no there's no reason for them to stay I think uh, enough of the community or at least a lot of people who talk they actually go deeper than just reading headlines and they're actually yeah, technical that's and that's a that that allows well, that's, them to, that's a part of what we tried to build we tried to build a community that was resistant to that type of thing where like we mm -hmm. just say whatever we want they're like thank you god i'm gonna go do mm -hmm. that thing they're just they're like that's stupid i'm not doing that tell me why like mm -hmm. like there's 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 the 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 what's the word i'm looking for the resistance to bullshit is really really high in the Bitcoin podcast community. Like we've, we've seen people come in to the Slack and shill something. And, and ejected, I, I didn't, I didn't touch it. Like none of us as like, you know, the administrators of the Slack touched it. They got rejected immediately. Yeah. That's actually and, a cool thing to speak on. Like if you're going to have a voice in the Bitcoin podcast Slack community, uh, it's like entering the earth's atmosphere. You got to go at the right angle and the right speed. Because if you come in with some <laughs> bullshit, you're gonna explode or you're gonna get rejected out into space yeah. real fast. <laughs> that's, so, that was fun to watch, though. And that that came from like, I don't know, being normal, like not being chilly. So let's let's tie this full circle, all the way into um, distribution and how it affects the community, right? Um, and it affects these communities, these crypto communities by, by governance. And that's really the main thing. If you've got a governance token and, and you don't read through the documentation and come to find out 90% of it is in one wallet, you're like, the very next question should be like, who the fuck or what the fuck owns that wallet? Cough, hex, cough. Right? So, um, <laughs> hey, Joe is having a great time with hex. I know he's not. 
I don't think that he is. I think that he loves the numbers on his screen, but has no. I don't think it does any things for him. I really don't. Like every, I have, not, a, I have a friend. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter, right? Maybe that is all that matters. I have a friend on. Uh, I have a friend from undergrad who loves hex. Like, and I was like, man, this is. It's very typical that you would like. You would like hex. I get that. And so <laughs> he just like every week he's bombard me with headlines about hex and. Like, Hex is so great, and look at this. And then in three weeks, I'm going to get the chemical compound formula is going to unlock nothing for me, but the number is going to go up. Like, And I'm just like, wait, what is happening here? What? And I'm like, have you – so my question to him is always like, well, how much actual real value have you made, like, in Ether and Bitcoin and dollars and silver? I don't know. Like, has this changed your life in any way? He's like, well, no, but the number's up there, man. It's going up. It's – going up and i'm just i don't understand i don't understand it's like steam it's like steam it was like you had all this steam uh, steam it steam it had steam it had legitimacy behind it yeah. it did i mean you know, it, it's it was a similar situation where there were a tremendous amount of whales and they had an asymmetrical influence on the community right the small amount of people having a very large influence on the community especially for voting and uh any type of like any, any ability for anyone to make money required you to cater to what the whales liked. Uh, and that eventually left because Dan Larimer makes, makes projects, makes a bunch of money, and then leaves them. Hex is different in a lot of ways because I'm, I'm not sure people have actually like been able to take money out. I assume they have because it's continued to keep going. But in the day, it's, there's there's an overwhelming asymmetric amount of power in the ecosystem. It just hasn't been a, it hasn't been influenced yet. It's like it's like if everyone knew this is a bad this is kind of a bad example, but like if for some reason uh, Satoshi showed up and unlocked all those coins, and then no one even considered it, they're like, oh yeah, that's cool now, but we're not even gonna, we're not even going to pretend all of those coins are in existence right now. We're just going to pretend that they're not there and nothing's going to change. That's not a very good analogy because it wasn't designed that way. The economics of Bitcoin were designed like reasonably efficient in terms of distribution of wealth. This is not. This was designed to funnel money to one person as fast as possible. <laughs> My quadratic book goes to the statement that Steven foundations are legit. Ooh, burn. I never participated in Steemit. I saw it. Was it was great. I think I think it was a it was it was a, a successful project. I think it was oh, a successful project. Dude, we have a Steemit. Yeah, we do. And we posted on it. There's money in it. Probably. I don't know what it's worth anymore, but we, we <laughs> oh, certainly shit. have Steam as as a part of the podcast. Oh, I need to look at that account. Holy shit, man. I, I got it. it. I got it. I got it locked away. I got all the that, passwords. This is fucking hilarious. I forgot all about that. Well, we let's uh, let's let's go to the interview. It's been a while, and then uh, we'll put that up after the interview, and then we'll 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 close it up. And welcome to another one of the Bitcoin podcast interviews. Uh, today we are joined by Alberto Savios, uh, unleashing the force at Force Dow. Um, welcome, welcome, Alberto. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be uh, here. Very nice. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get started, man. So let's let's get the the uh, what's I don't even know how to put the, the familiarization part out of the way. 
Like, uh, where? How did you? How'd you get into crypto, man? And and make this like bolster it up. Like, you can. Embellish. All right. This is an interesting story. Um, I don't really know where to start. So I was. Okay, so I guess it's, it gets into like a personal story, but it's it's an interesting one, and it's the reason I'm here. Tell it. So yeah, so I was I was doing pretty well. Um, as a college student, like in 2017, 2018, no, 2016. And I was like in my junior year of college. And I'm originally, I'm originally from Spain. My parents um, are living in Mexico. I was raised in Mexico for a bit. And I ended up studying in Canada. Uh, I was studying economics and math. And everything was well. And then one, my, one day my dad called me up and he said, hey, we have a problem you know, we have some issues economically at the house and we won't be able to support you uh, in Canada. And I was sitting at UBC, which is a pretty good school in Canada. And yeah, I had to kind of deal with this situation. And that happened sometime in January of 2017. And at the time I started developing this love for mathematics and logic and symbols and all this stuff that math still, um, that I still find interesting in math. And it just happened to be that I, that I understood that math was the basis for physics and chemistry and stats and biology and all that stuff. So I said, okay, well, let's just jump into technology. If, if I can understand the math and I can understand the technology and I could probably become a technologist starting off with stats since econ is pretty, pretty related to it and eventually just getting into the coding and whatnot. So long story short, you know, I was I was kind of bankrupt as a student in 2017, and it just happened to be that the 2017 ICO started booming. So I started getting involved in the space, and I taught a bunch of rich Russian kids how to trade, and that's that's the way I first started paying my bills in 2017. And you know, at some point, my dad told me, "Look, I have a I have money for you to come back to Mexico, but you know, if you're coming back, you can't get back to Canada." So, yeah, I just eventually had this little trading consultancy sort of thing going on. Um, <clears throat> got, in, got into heavy in Python and then started developing trading bots. And with the trading bots, I eventually got to meet a bunch of other people and they just started doing economics consultancies in the space. So by economics consulting, I mean uh, crypto economics. So being able to design economies and I used to write Python simulations to simulate different scenarios of your, of your crypto economy. And um, this is a really cool tool that's called a Monte Carlo Markov chain Monte Carlo simulation. And you can use that uh, to use probabilities to map out what does a good scenario look like? <clears throat> what does a bad scenario look like? And what's the actual scenario looking like? And, you know, that, that helped me. That helped me a lot. Uh, it paid my bills. I ended up uh, paying for my whole tuition for the next two years. And I paid my brother's tuition as well. And as an international student, that was a lot of money. And that's how I finished school. Man. It's definitely one of those things like I mean, you didn't get a lot of uh, modeling. I mean, I did a lot of modeling earlier on in terms of similar type things that you were doing just for shits and giggles and trying to understand token distributions of ICOs and yeah. whether or not they were meeting the criteria they set out to do. Um, and then also like almost like back testing the narrative that people put out when they would make exactly. these crypto economic models. Like we're doing, we're implementing this specific mechanism during the ICO because we'd like to have this thing, right? We want to have exactly. a broader distribution, uh, less of a few own everything type situation. And this is why we're doing it. And I tried back yeah. and see whether it worked. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that gave, that got, that garnered a lot of attention from people because people were just kind of half-assed guessing at these things. 
in a yeah. lot of ways. It's a lot of what I found was they weren't they weren't doing it, or like they were they, they weren't checking to make sure it worked, and people weren't learning from the mistakes. Yeah. Uh, did you have a similar experience? I did. I, I thought it was super interesting because, like you said, um, a lot of people were just guessing, like, what does the token allocation look like? Okay, it's going to be ten percent for the team, twenty percent for reserves, seventy percent, et cetera, et cetera. And you had all these pre-sales. And at the time, airdrops weren't really a thing. There was a couple, but they were kind of like you know, a little bit shady at the time. But um, but yeah, like, like in, in general, what I think this this technology, like just in general, like simulating on Python, different scenarios in the economy, what it helps you do is redefine and just iterate and iterate again and again. Because once you come up with a good economic concept, it's not the final one. Even for Forest Style, you know, we're constantly iterating everything. And I think that's the, the way it's supposed to be especially with something that's so experimental, like token economics and DeFi. Mm. Yeah, we're going to that. Before we, before we do that, let's, let's, let's get this out of the way. What is Forestale? Like, what's the whole point of Forestale? <clears throat> and then we can go into kind of those deeper conversations. And I have a lot of questions already just based on your introduction. Okay, so yeah, so Forestale, um, it's, it's an end-to-end DeFi investment platform. At the moment, we're, we're kind of focused on uh, yield aggregation for cross-chain assets. So, you know, our motto is currently your, your portal for cross-chain yield. But we're working on a roadmap that's, the roadmap is done, but technologically we need to do a lot of more work um, to get a lot more infrastructure to exist on cross-chain. And we'll talk about the, the infrastructure I'm referring to. And the idea is that at its core, at its core, Forest now is just a group of smart people who are coming together, who are thinkers, and they're also doers. Um, many of them are interdisciplinary. We got guys who are doing ETH core research, uh, parity developers, other guys who are in DeFi like me through Badger. Um, and we're just coming together to build infrastructure for the next E-Trade. So I think like the, the product that we're looking to create over the course of the next couple months is going to be similar to an E-Trade, but for DeFi. Mm. E-Trade on DeFi. E-Trade is deep, though. That's a big, that's a bold statement. Because I tried to introduce a family member to E-Trade, like, and that would have been a strong decade ago. And they were like, bro, do I need a fucking NBA to do this? And I was like, no, man, there's a the babies. There's a commercial as a baby in a bit. Like, if a baby can do it, you can do it. And it was not that easy. So that was great marketing for E-Trade. Because then when I really started to dig in to help them, I was like, you are correct. I don't even You're have correct. the time. To teach you all this shit, I'm just gonna show you what I did. Just buy that stock right there. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that, that's a bold statement. Uh, you ever done a Monte Carlo in Excel? It's a uh, lot yeah, easier. Yeah, probably did it. Yeah. It's just super easy. It's super easy, right? Just you like ever randomizers. Done a Monte Carlo while no eating a Monte Cristo? No, no comment. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. <laughs> So did you only use the money responsibly that you used when you traded or did you like, well, did you splurge on anything? You get PlayStation 4 or anything? What What do you mean? What's up? I mean, the money that you were making to pay your tuition and your brother's tuition, it wasn't all good. Like you didn't use it all for good reasons. Did we've you we've all a, splurged. You know, we've all splurged, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I did, I did travel a bit because okay. all these companies, you know, these crypto companies were flying you around and, uh, I don't know. I just ended up, I ended up in China. I ended up in Korea at some point. It was amazing. I'd never traveled to Asia before. Coolest place you've um, Korea, I think. Nice. I don't know. Actually, I no, I think Hong Kong. Hong Kong was pretty insane. Okay. 
Um, I've heard Hong Kong is pretty <clears throat> insane. I've heard some stories from friends. Uh, it's impressive. Yeah, me. You heard them from me. Well, dude, of <laughs> course. <laughs> of course. I didn't, I didn't need to be spelled out. I have one. I have two. I have two friends here. And they're both right here. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, Aaron will never hear the stories, by the way, Corey. Your secrets. Pretty sure she's heard them already. They're here, bro. For me. Anyways, <laughs> what, happens, what happens in Hong Kong stays in Hong Kong. That's yeah, it say. stays in Hong Kong. Um, Alberto, so like, let's let's get to like, let's try and like, let's go deep here. Um, All right. You know, let's go deep. We're not fracking here. We're going straight down. Okay. Like, what's the why for Force DAO? Like, what makes this DAO uniquely different than other DAOs? Why did you see there's a need for it? Like, let's, you know, you sat down for a while. You say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build Force DAO. This is why. This is this. There's nothing like it. And this is what it's closing this gap. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, I've been refining that answer over time, but I mean, originally the, I saw a bunch of problems in this space. Uh, I'm not going to bash on any project, but a lot of the yield aggregators that existed, you know, last year or, you know, in recent months, because the space evolved so quickly, they, they had a pretty, they had a pretty interesting incentivization problem where their developers weren't getting paid um, a performance fee or some of them, you know, would go to other DAOs to work because the performance fees are better or, or they're just better incentives overall. Um, yeah, some projects had to mint. I think one project had to mint additional tokens in order to pay for their developers. And and in general, I, I think there's a way of organizing an organization of smart people who are building these investment strategies in such a way where they can get rewarded pro rata for the contribution to the project. And that that was one of the problems that I saw originally. So just pure incentives. And I also saw that aggregators, so just investment strategists, investment strategy aggregators, they work at its core like a like a two-sided market. From from one side, you got the strategists who are providing investment strategies, and then the other side, you got uh, the buy side, which is investors who want to receive a certain amount of yield or an alpha on their investment. And and this is the way the market's behaving. You know, just purely an observation. This is just how it's behaving. And it seems like some of the aggregators in the space have done this in a hobbyist way where it's, you know, the world's best talent are doing this investment strategy thing as a hobby. But um, I, I did see the opportunity to, to productize it. And I, I still think it needs to be productized for the space to evolve. So it, I, I wouldn't say it's for selfish reasons. Obviously, there's self-interest. I, I'm 100% self-interested in this. But I also believe that my self-interest in this, as well as the self-interest of other people coming in, is, is creating a common benefit. You know, it's kind of like the invisible hand that Adam Smith talks about. So anyways, to just cut it short, the I think the opportunity here is to create an organization that incentivizes people the right way to create investment strategies on one side. And then the other side, you have to have a UI and a UX that's perfect for bringing people who are not familiar with DeFi to start earning the incredible yields and alphas that exist in the space. And that's, that, that's what Forest out is basically. It's it's a platform that's building these two things. The immediate question from that for me is going to be, <clears throat> how do you define good, right? So you, you talk about like, like you're, you're clearly intimately involved with crypto economics and this concept of kind of 
game theory versus mechanism design. Like how you build the rules dictates what you deem as good and bad. And the goal is to build the rules in such a way where you were like natural behavior, whether that be greedy behavior or selfish behavior, alters or whatever, um, trends toward what you consider good. So what are you doing there? Like with four style, that's differentiated in terms of setting, like aligning those incentives properly. Yeah, that's a good question. So um, for strategies specifically, if, if you're a person, so, so let's talk about strategies for a second. So strategies and currently in DeFi, um, the, the way they work is, is based on farming. And I know you guys are familiar with the term Sort yes. of okay. <laughs> <There's> a, there <laughs> yeah. is a there is a thriving DeFi community in the Bitcoin podcast Slack that never ever stops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Okay, perfect. So yeah, so I mean, for the most part, the, the way the investment strategies work is uh, by you grabbing an asset and then you deposit the asset into an incentivized market and quote unquote incentivized. So that market could be a lending protocol, or it could be an ex like an automated market maker, like an exchange, like Sushi, Dexes. And once you deposit that asset into the incentivized market, that incentivization is actually just rewards for having have used it. So if you provide liquidity in sushi, sushi will give you sushi rewards for having have used it. If you provide, um, if, if you provide lending or lending, okay, if you start lending assets on compound, compound will incentivize you by giving you compound tokens. So the strategy is very simple at its baseline. What you do is you deposit the asset, you liquidate the rewards that you're earning, in exchange for the asset that you deposited originally. And that way you're um, auto compounding and increasing your position over time. And, and that's a very simple investment strategy. <clears throat> and that's, I think, the one that most aggregators or DeFi strategists are using. There's more complex ways of doing that. You know, you can have, instead of using one protocol, you can use like three protocols to do the same thing. But um, yeah, the, the incentives are what's being used to grow your position and, and to earn money. Do I think that's going to last forever? I don't think so, but we, we can talk about that separately. Mm. So say I want to be on the one side that you talked about. I want to be an investment strategist. Um, what will be like my step one for getting involved with Force Style? Like what, what walk me through my, my story. It's like, hey, I got some investment uh, strategies, right? <laughs> I want to, I want to strategize. Uh, forcefully, so exactly. forcefully. <laughs> I want to forcefully strategize. You want to play, some strategies, okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, how do I? How do I engage? Okay, so I guess we just talked about the buy side, so the supply side. Um, so going going back to the whole incentive thing, let's. What what does the strategy mean? Okay, strategy means it's it's a, a couple. It's a method or a couple processes they use the to earn an alpha or to make more money in simple terms. Um, you know, currently <clears throat> what we just talked about is called the yield automation. When you grab the yield that comes from these rewards and you liquidate them and everything, but there's actually a whole list of strategies that you can do in DeFi. So you could do, so one strategy could be yield automation. Another one could be um, indices. Another one could be arbitrage, like those spots that I was telling you guys about. Another one could be NFTs. And what else you could you can have derivatives as well, like options, futures. <clears throat> so the infrastructure doesn't exist, but what we want to start with is here's some yield automation basics. If, if you can put some pieces together, let's say for Gulati, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't have your first name, but 
Fergulati. Okay, so if Fergulati knows, <laughs> you call me D, man. <laughs> All right, I'll call you D. So if D has, if D finds an alpha that he's doing um, in a manual way, speak to the team, make a proposal on a forum, and let's productize it. So I'll join you personally and with some other devs, and we'll work literally on um, incubating the idea. We we design the process, we build it out, we test it, and then we deploy it. And everything we're doing is is going to be tested by an auditor before we put it out. If it's not tested by an auditor, we're going to we're going to have it as an, an experimental strategy, meaning that it's capped at the amount of deposit it could receive. So that's the first way you could do it. Um, we're working on setting up a bunch of permissionless AWS infrastructure, meaning that if anybody can come in, <clears throat> you have a certain amount of time that you could use the EC2 buckets for. And you can set up a Python script that's just training and arbitraging on different chains uh, or one chain. And, and that's easier, you know, because that's, that's more similar to what Kaggle looks like. You know, you get financial data, you get a notebook, you develop a simple strategy, you deploy it, and off it goes. We can get into specifics um, about how that works. But yeah, generally speaking, it's, 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 this is all, this is all driven by personal self-interest. Hmm. It's kind of like Real. a numeri approach. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Numeri for DeFi. That's kind of the vibe. Wait, numeri is not considered DeFi anymore? Didn't they consider themselves DeFi back in 2017? Who, uh Bitcoin well, DeFi didn't even DeFi. exist in 2017. Like, <laughs> That's right. DeFi, didn't, exist like DeFi yeah. didn't even exist in 2017. <laughs> so they're like, fuck. We're too, we were too quick. We were too quick. Too quick. Um, Numerai is doing pretty well from what I last read. I, I didn't keep up with that project, but I know it was really, really good from what I hear. But I'm going to throw it to Jess. Yeah. What's the token for? <clears throat> or Corey. I'm going to throw it to Corey. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just shooting off the hips. You, you, you keep asking your questions. I'm, I'm just listening. Um, okay. So, so the, the token is a signaling mechanism for governance, uh, number one. But it also has an additional property that it, it receives the performance of all the fees or all the profits generated by, by the strategies. It's, it's called profit sharing, a specific mechanism. So if I hold the token, I get a slice of the profits. The more tokens I hold, the more profits I get. The bigger my slice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that's yeah. In short, there yeah. was an uh, there was an uh. What was that about? So that, uh, <laughs> it's more complicated yeah. so, than that. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, like it's basically that. It's basically that. All right, let's but, take out one layer of complication. Let's go a little bit deeper. <laughs> okay. Maybe we could use rice round numbers. I got one hundred tokens. How big is my slice? If you have 100 tokens and you do nothing with it, nothing will happen. But if no. you grab the tokens, yeah, if you grab the tokens and you stake it inside of a, a profit sharing pool specific for force, then you will start earning more force. And the way those new force are generated is by grabbing the revenue, a portion of the revenue that we make as a platform and using that cash to buy back the token at the spot price. And then we give it back to you. Yeah. All right. So I gotta put I gotta put my tokens back in the machine, then I get my slice of the pie. Yeah. You got a slice of the pie, but if you want to get your slice of the pie to work, you have to put it into the machine. How did you manage all this, right? Like how do you how do you manage the community um to participate? And and a lot of previous DAOs and and 
decentralized organizations, maybe not DAOs, but just like more flat organizations that are trying to get people to vote on things. Uh, participation sucks. So, yeah. uh, like not only is it like getting a percentage of the vote is hard, but also informing people that there is a vote in the process of voting. It's all hard. So what are you doing there? How, how are people interacting with this and doing these things? How many platforms do they have to use in the process of trying to vote and stake and do things? Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good question too, because, um, Governance is an issue that DeFi has at the moment. There's there's no clear answer for any of the questions you asked. Um, I don't really know how to <laughs> how to answer this question entirely, but but the the these tokens are serving as signaling mechanisms more than they are for governing. Um, there, it's really hard to do on-chain governance. the The closest thing we had to it was Aragon, which started pretty early, like in 2017 as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the way pe current people use governance in DeFi is through this app called Snapshot. And then Snapshot is this off-chain solution where you can use your tokens and your wallet to signal your support for proposals to either accept them or reject them. And, um, yeah, so once a Snapshot vote is take, is, has taken place, you know, it might, it may start at some period, it might end at some other period. And, you know, throughout the transcourse of the whole thing, people can vote on whether they accept it or reject it. If it's accepted, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get implemented because the people who have uh, access to the on-chain contracts, let's say like a strategy or a controller or some like admin contract, it's at the end of the day, they're just developers. Hmm. They're developers, so you still have to trust them. So it's, it's really hard to do on-chain governance. I, I hope that... I, I was reading that Iragon has something that they're going to put out in, in, in Optimism, which could solve that. I forgot the name of it. Um, but I think in general, it's just really hard to do governance on chain. Mm. You know, I, I appreciated something <laughs> in your response there, Alberto. I just was thinking in my head. Um, I probably should have just been listening stronger, but you said something that like just made me sit back and appreciate the maturity of the space. And I was thinking, I was like, if, if crypto had epochs, right? Pointing to these last epochs is getting this with this one, this most recent one that we're in right now. It's going to be really hard to point back to it and find the singular thing to tie it to. Like, for example, everyone thinks 2017, they think ICO craze, mm -hmm. right? But then you turn back the clock more than that, everybody thinks Mount Gox, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's these singular events that cause these epochs, these ripples through the whole community, through the whole space. But, like, yeah. when people look back at 2020, 2021, what are they going to say? Oh, it was the NFT craze. Oh, it was the DeFi craze. Oh, it was the institutional investment craze. Oh, it was the like nothing can be tied back, which kind of like makes me really confident in the maturity of this space. Mm -hmm. And it also just points out like, oh, we are reaching that thing, Corey, that was at the beginning of our show for years, which was mass adoption. Like we're getting there because if yeah. you look back. Like four years from now, there's not going to be a, oh, 2021 was the NFT craze. No, there's too many things to point to, to, to say what the craze was. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I was, no question there. I just appreciate yeah, the response. Piggybacking on that, like it's, it's gotten to the point now where it's, it, at least it seems, um, like you could be successful and not have like global impact on the crypto ecosystem. You can be wildly successful. 
is yeah. still not like be heard of because the space is so big. Yeah. We, we will see billionaires this year for sure. The first crypto billionaires or first DeFi billionaires. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. And we I think, the, this I think what's going to be cool, Alberto, is it might be a DAO. It might not be a person. It might be, well, there's already yeah, DAOs more, it'll more than likely right. be like, I think overwhelmingly likely that it will be a DAO of some sort that basically automates the process of managing all these weird DeFi things. And you, you mentioned earlier, when you first started, it's you specifically said it a few times, cross-chain. Um, is that a differentiator in in these things? Are most of the current aggregators, yield aggregators, only focusing on a specific chain? And what what's required to do it across a bunch of different chains? How is that? How, how does that complicate things? Um, yeah, that, that's a good question, Mr. Good Questions. So <laughs> we've been doing way, this for a while. Corey, Mr. <laughs> good Questions Petty, look at him. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, yeah, the aggregator space is, is interesting because it looks like everybody has its own niche at the moment. You know, it's you can make the argument that Badger represents Bitcoin DeFi and Bitcoin strategies. You could also say that um, Wi-Fi has OG strategies and OG strategists. Like they're like the first people who really started this. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Harvest Finance is it's more on the experimental side, but people love it. I like it personally. And there's some newer ones like Vesper Finance, which I it's incredible. I think they launched a couple months ago, but it, it grew amazingly. Like from I don't know how. I think when I when I first saw it, it had like a hundred or forty million dollars. Something that's low compared to what it is right now. I think right now it's closer to 700 million or, or even a billion. I, I haven't been keeping up with anything. Um, yeah, and everybody has their niches, but but again, I, I like the way you would differentiate yourself. I think is the community, and and here's here's an interesting thought. And there's something that Andreessen Horowitz said a long time ago, uh, which was do the things that other people can't do. And in crypto and in DeFi specifically in a world where anybody can fork anyone, the community is the only thing they can't take away from you. So if you have a strong community, I think you will have the support of the network effect that comes behind it. The investors, the influencers, the, the thought leaders who are talking about you. And it, it all starts with community. So I think the, the community is the most important thing when building an aggregator. And, and I, I would also say that, you know, having a niche is important in the beginning. I mean, you, you can't you can't expand and become a massive conglomerate or, or have a bunch of verticals unless you start with something very simple. Corey, did you, did you hear that? Oh, okay. We're all about community. That's <laughs> it's kind of our, that's been my focus in this ecosystem since day one, basically. And I agree that mm-hmm. the community is what makes or breaks you. Uh, how you get it, how you hold it, especially when it comes down to um, people who are joining because they want to make money or manage money is is probably a complicated thing. Yeah, I mean, it it, it doesn't have to be to be so complicated and, and Numerai is a perfect example of that because they were, they were able to align everybody's incentives for the best benefit of, of the hedge fund, uh, which is what they market themselves to be. But but the, the, other, the other thing to think about with the, all these aggregators is investors aren't, um, yeah, investors aren't loyal to a project, they're loyal to their money. So if, if you offer high APYs, then people yeah. will just 
flock to you. And the day that you don't have a higher APY than your competitor, everybody's going to flock to the other place. So yes, community is important, but when it comes to TVL and, and you know, these params that are driving the growth of your company as, as an aggregator or the growth of your projects as an aggregator, um, having the best strategists or having the best thinkers when it comes to this space is super important. So they need to be super incentivized. How, I just want to know how cool do you feel that like all that math, all that theoretical math that you studied, all those symbols, and now you just get to play with them and turn them into Dude, actual real value. It's crazy. Is it? I know it it's feels crazy, good, man. Because I think about the shit all the time, but I got a, I got a, G, <laughs> I got a GPP job, but I'm just like, oh my god, divide that by that. Mm, oh yeah, I got sigma no thing. Some sigma notation, throw it in there. That's right. <laughs> throw it in there. Um, exactly. <laughs> I hope you sound that creepy when you're making these algorithms too. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I just I just moan a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, pi notation. Mm, what's the integers? What are we rocking? With? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> you took that That's so level. creepy. That's so creepy dude. to do math in that voice. It is. Um, I hope that you only do know. math from here on out like that, dude. Yeah. Is that what you sound like, Jesse, when you're doing when you're studying? Yeah, absolutely. Talking 100%. about biological systems. I'm like, mm, that's ugh. Oh, yeah. You have your belly button and you do it. <laughs> I don't, that's, I the don't creepiest, know that that's the creepiest Being thing you can do. Button? That's the creepiest thing that you can do in any given scenario is to rub your belly button while you're doing it. I can't think of, I mean, I can think of creepier things, but that's like one of like the harmless ones that are really creepy. <laughs> I like that you've actually put it on a scale in your head. Like I like that you're like on a scale of not that creepy to most creepy. Yeah, he operationalized. Well, yeah, you gotta like. You gotta operationalize. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't even know what my question is now. We've gone so far off the rails. You are welcome. <laughs> that was good. <clears throat> um. So, why an airdrop model? Why that? Yeah. There's other models, but you chose that one. Why? So, I mean, our whole team chose it, really. But, you know, when, when we were... Okay, so the airdrop seems to work pretty well. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I, I've seen it work pretty well in other projects. Um, I was part of Badger very early on. And it worked well for Badger. But I think I think there's... A lot of people hate airdrops. Like, if you go to the Discord channels for, for Core Style, some people hate it. Some people love it. Um, the, the reason we're doing an airdrop is because it's, it's our opportunity to attract people who have a similar ethos and vision that are working on other projects or investing in other projects and tell them, Hey, we represent this. It's like, it's, we're like-minded mm -hmm. come over. Um, it, this is, I mean, obviously not, we're not going to catch all the edge cases, yeah. but we assume that hopefully we will. Most By of the way. A little pro tip for the youngsters in the audience. If something is both hated and loved, do it because it's a fucking sweet spot. It is a sweet spot. <laughs> I mean yeah. like Mac I, like Max, man. Some people hate them, some people love them. But mm, Apple's doing all right. Apple's doing okay. There's no like I can I can I could wax poetic all day on the consequences and reasons for doing an airdrop. And what that means in terms of token distribution and and uh, equality 
and inclusion and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's a bootstrapping mechanism. That's all it is. It it gets tokens in the hands of people uh, who may or may not want to be using your product. It, it bootstraps people using your product. If they hate it, they're going to sell it. If they love it, they're going to have a reason to come over. It's it's that's it's that simple. And if those who don't care, that money's now locked up. It's basically you know, well, depending on how whatever rules you have for mm-hmm. uh, claiming things, that's just money that's gone. That effectively raises like raises the value of everything left. There's a lot yeah, of that's right. e- easy easy things to c- comprehend with an airdrop, and with blockchain technology, it's simple. It's just a simple way of doing distribution that can't be done as easily anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I that's why you see it yeah, so much. It's, Unfortunately, it's it's, it's, it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive to it's, claim. Like, what? Like, yeah. have you thought about? Have you thought about? This is the main thing that I I worry about. Like, have, what metrics <clears throat> do you do you come up with for uh, discerning who gets an airdrop and what what goes behind behind like these metrics? Like, who who do you want to incentivize, and then how do you come up with metrics to get it to those people, or you just like throw a broad net and see what happens? You know what? You know what, man? I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I I hate all these like those airdrops and like there's so some of these airdrops are like if you do that a little bit, it's good because you hit it right in the nail. Um, but the very recent airdrops, the ones that we've seen from January till now, it's kind of like you have to do a, a triple backflip and jump twice in the air and and I don't know, you you gotta do some crazy stuff in order to participate in that token. I'm not a fan of that because the, the, the whole point of the airdrop is number one, you want to have an airdrop that's massive. You don't, you don't want like a 2% or 1% airdrop where later the VCs are going to dump on you or later, you know, some team rewards going to click open and then out of nowhere, the market cap's going to dump. Um, so you want to have a, a massive distribution so you can get to as most people as possible. So my, my idea is, like I, I would, I would hate for a project like Forest that has this potential at the moment, to to be this like, to to have one of these consequences, which you've seen these big coins, like the ones in the top 100. That sometimes like the team, like the, the team allocation opens up after 12 months, and then you see a massive drop in price, a massive drop in market cap, because people don't care, you know. Um, I think it's a better idea to have a massive distribution since day one, get the token in as many hands as possible. If you want to buy it, awesome. There's people gonna people who are gonna buy it who see the value in the project. The people you don't want to buy, you just want to dump it. That's fine as well. But you, you do have a, a pretty good cushion and resistance level since day one, rather than having liquidity that's built up slowly and it's and it's very delicate. You can have a strong coin since day one. And then everything else, I think, is driven by fundamentals. <clears throat> I like it. I like the cut of your jib, Alberto. I really do. I had a strong opinion right there. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. I'm put on my Negro Domus hat for a second. <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction. So I predict that very soon. Um, so everybody thinks companies got that money. No, no. Families got that money. Trusts, endowments, people that just been sitting on that railroad money for, for a long time. Just so much money, they don't even know where it is. Just money buried out in the yard and shit. Just this isn't going <laughs> off the rails. This isn't going off the rails, Alicia. I don't appreciate that. This is hilarious. This is, this is, this is a actual prediction. Buying endowments and money. Yeah, I think some of that. I think some of that. Uh, that the big pile of money is going to head to DeFi. 
if it hits force, are you guys capable of both sustaining that attraction of endowment money, trun, fuss, tr- uh, hedge funds, trust funds, that kind of stuff? Like, do you feel like you're in a position to catch that much volume? Great question again. So, okay, so for for DeFi to be that level, that like that mature, like you're you're speaking of, like where a whole endowment, like a, a college endowment, would go to deposit ten percent of their money into this, a lot of things have to happen. Um, I, I think currently some of the funds that I've seen, they're kind of like trust funds or or uh, what's called family offices. They kind of allocate like one to five percent of their money into DeFi because it's super risky. So number one is risk. How do you control risk? So I'm, I'm telling you, man, like we, we with force, we have to behave as if this was a hardware product that we're shipping. The hardware cycles have to last six months or three months at least. Six months, to, three months to near, I would say, for every single product release um, that we would have, like for a new product that we're offering. For example, this yield automation stuff that we're doing, it's, I mean, it's already been battle tested. A lot of the code that we used uh, was based on Harvest Finance. And, and we actually, just for anybody who's listening to this, we're actually giving a strong, por- a big portion of our airdrop to, to Harvest Finance. So thank you for having have developed the tech. And I think that's the right thing to do. But anyways, so Harvest Finance um, had that code. We, we're currently doing a code review at the moment with one company. We're starting a new code review with a second company, which is a proper audit. And it's a very big security firm. So we'll be announcing that later. But I think the most important thing is security. If 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 I'm a, a hedge fund manager or I'm a or I'm a family office manager, a principal there, and and I think that my funds will will get exploited at some point, I will never invest in that. So the first one has to be trust, and I think that all companies in DeFi have to be developing with these hardware development cycles. This whole idea of design, iterate, prototype, put it out, it's very like when it, when you're dealing with money, it's very risky. It's not, you're not managing information flow. You're not managing pictures on S3. You're not managing some like data on, on your DynamoDB. You're managing people's money. So it's, it's pretty serious. Hey, if I lose that $69 million NFT. Exactly. I'll be mad. <laughs> or if it's hacked because of a faulty smart contract. Yeah, exactly. Or a rug pull. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I don't know. I, I think we can contain it, but we, we have to, I'm, I'm working on setting up these security practices right now. Okay. That's, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said risk and it's awesome that crypto is at a point where I hear that word uttered in crypto so much a lot. Cause that means you're people welcome. are actually thinking about it. Yeah. You're putting it out there, Corey, you're doing you're a good welcome. job, bro. You know, <laughs> you're, you know, how can you assess risk if we don't talk about it? That's what you're doing, Corey. You're talking about it. You're like, look, guys, let's talk about risk, you know, and everybody's doing it. So good job on that. Um, I don't know if I have any more questions for you, man. I, I think you, I think you know what you're doing. <clears throat> I hope when you're doing all this math, it sounds creepy. Like we iterated, like we showed here and I iterated, but like, <laughs> um, you know, at least I know it did for me one day but uh jesse you got anything no surprisingly um i'm pretty good on this one you got nothing no questions i mean no not really not even did that one question ah that <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> all right you ready alberto all right shoot 
So uh, <laughs> my my signature question that I ask everybody who comes on for an interview uh, has been, is what you do actually hard? I, I think for me it's hard sometimes. And then what 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 in particular, if you had to talk to what is hard, what would it be and why? Um, so a lot of the work that I'm doing lately is uh, working on strategies. So thinking about every single attack vector is really hard. There's attack vectors you can't imagine. Um, and then also designing your smart contracts is really hard sometimes. Because um, I think upgradability is a bit of a flaw in the space. And we, we can talk about the two. Um, but how do you like how do you design things in a way where you can deploy it once and then don't even have to worry about it, assuming it's audited? And again, audits don't always ensure security, but you, you like to think that it happens. And then how do you design strategies in a way where we're doing things efficiently and, and securely? So I think that's that's the hard part of my job lately. Nice. So that's a good question, Jesse. I'm telling you, it's a power. I love move. that question. It's a power, power play. Powerful. That's a fucking power move. Yeah, it is. I would ask this last <laughs> question in ten words or less. Can you describe DeFi? Permissionless, censorship resistant, peer-to-peer finance that can't be stopped. That was that's good. Probably that's close. It's seven. If you know, we just throw some hyphens in there. I got, I got eight, <laughs> I got eight or nine. Ten words or there. less, it's fine. Did that's it. fine. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So it. if you if you hadn't nailed it, then this episode wouldn't have aired. So you put it all in line there. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like four fifths of all of our interviews would not be aired if that was the case. We just have this library <laughs> of shit that we can't put out. It's like a shame yeah. they can't answer that question. Uh, Alberto, thank you very much for swinging by, man. I know. Uh, um, we could talk for. I mean, this is crypto. We could probably talk for hours, but we could. You know, we don't, we don't want to. You 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 attracted some uh, some some core core community contributors from the Bitcoin podcast community over to what you're doing. So you're yeah, really you're excellent people. Yeah. All right. You're excellent, and thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. We're back. We hope that you guys enjoy the actual whole interview. That's a good one, man. Um, Forced Dow is coming around the corner so um look at look into it that was uh, that was a really good interview i enjoy the gamification of investment strategies very much because at the so very you like very DeFi. End, i do that's, that's what do it is like DeFi. DeFi is like a experiment of taking traditional finance and putting it on blockchain and seeing what you can automate away or like distribute how things De- get done. Like how, we're, we're pooling information. Like, like if I had to like try and sum up what DeFi is, it's pooling a community's value and then them voting on how it works. What was that? Dogs? That's dogs. DeFi, um, in my opinion, like I think we've heard this a lot and some people probably have already said this and maybe other people say it on other shows. I don't know, but We've been clamoring for a use case for eight to nine years for cryptocurrency, and it's DeFi. DeFi is the use case. As soon as one of these cryptos gets- A, yes. No, when I say the, I mean the one that like people nut over and it Mm. it makes it a thing. I like NFTs more than DeFi. 
I disagree. Um, well, disagree if you want to. You know, it's a free country. <laughs> it's a free country. <laughs> disagree if you want to. But I think that there's a large enough swath of people that when one crypto goes down in price, and they they'll see it as an opportunity to get into DeFi. So the more fiat on reps there are, and a more diverse set of tokens. That's just more and more opportunity for people to get into DeFi, baby. So, like, if Bitcoin's price is too high, but Ethereum is in the right spot, a bunch of fiat's going to pour into Ethereum. That Ethereum is going to start launching DeFi contracts, baby. We in there, uh, you know. If Litecoin can do it, I don't think it can, but maybe it can. I don't know what's going on with Litecoin these days. People are worshiping Charlie Lee five hours a day, and then existing i guess that's the litecoin community now uh <laughs> then you know it doesn't matter the more fiat on ramps there are the more fiat exposure is going to get to crypto and i think DeFi is going to be the big one for that especially as soon as some of these like finance companies start to realize they can code out entire departments geez. oh i'm not saying it's not going to be huge it'll be huge <laughs> like like you're going to see a massive inflow of the same shit but amplified uh using this technology i'm saying it's not much different it's the same underlying motivations uh it is a bit more inclusive and you can do interesting things that you couldn't do in traditional finance but it's still finance i think there's a lot of other applications that have yet to be seen nfts being uh, a foundation for a lot of it but there's a lot of other stuff too uh mm-hmm. and and like my i can't say it enough it's there's going to be a larger focus on community like what communities you belong to and what rules govern it and how the underlying crypto, whether it be cryptocurrencies like like fungible tokens or NFTs associated with that community dictate your influence in that community and what you can do. Like that's it. That's that's the that's the encapsulated power of this technology. It allows you to make communities and then come up with a lot of different interesting rules and how you assert your influence and and participate in that community. And all of that influence and participation has direct consequences on your life. It's 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 value driven. I can take that value based on the work and effort that I put in that community and I can pay my bills with it. Or I can take it out and bring it to a different community. And there's a lot of cool shit you can do that I think it just hasn't been unlocked or understood yet. And what we're seeing now is like, I don't know, like the primitives of that. People are bringing finance in. But that's just an aspect of it. People are playing around with NFTs and seeing what's going on over there. That's just a part of it. And you like really, really tie it back to like what you can do in a community and how you assert your influence and how you pay your bills and, and run your life. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the focus. Then people are like, oh shit, this stuff is like useful. And it's changed a lot of people's lives. And like socially, like made a drastic social change on the world and like what you spend your time doing and what you focus on and what you try and do uh, relative to the people you communicate with. Like that's, that's all of it. This is just like people having fun and doing the shit they already know how to do. Mm. Well, let's take a few minutes to look at some comments from the audience and then let's wrap. Yep. Wilbert Rutherford says, the Bitcoin stock to flow model of plan B is showing a hundred thousand. I'm sorry, Alicia, do your thing. My bad. My bad. The Bitcoin stock to flow model of plan B is showing a hundred K, 288K Bitcoin price end of the year. Spread the word. Uh, thanks, Wilbert. Uh, Where does that come from? I don't understand. That's coming that. from YouTube. People are leaving comments. Yeah, I get YouTube. that. What does that mean? Like, 
One oh, is the stock to flow model of Plan B. Oh shit! You haven't seen the stock to flow model, the one that makes no. Bitcoin people. Uh, you have, just you have not seen that. You've seen it. You just don't. I'm know sure I've it. seen it. I yeah. just didn't have a name for it. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. bring it up here so you can. And once again, like, why should we give a shit about that particular prediction? There's many reasons. Uh, sure, I would like to know them, and I'm sure our audience would too. Uh, I used to care about this model, but I don't do much anymore. Um, here, let me see. This, oops. The model describes. Um, it sounds sexy. It sounds like something I should see in like a Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah, there's 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 different articles um, that I've read. Yo, have you seen the stock to flow model? Family. <laughs> oh, here we go. There it is. That's it, Corey. That's the stock to flow model. That's like, uh, no one can see that. Can you blow that up? You can't see that? That's not the live well, one. There's a there's a better one. That's live. better. That's better. We can see that. There's a live one. Jesse probably could find it faster. Than live. Go to that website. See that's see good enough. That's fine. It's good enough. Let's go see that. So this is about looking at happenings and looking at the relative price movement over the course of the Bitcoin happenings. So this is only about Bitcoin. So uh, BTC macro will not correlate forever. Is that, I don't know if that's saying like this is not something you should keep in your mind forever, but it's been pretty trendy about it for a while now. At least with like last happening, you're seeing quite a bit of a lag. Oh no, yeah. the last two happenings, you're seeing quite a bit of a lag from uh, rising to the price and the happening. Yeah, I mean, it's a model and it seems to be fairly accurate and people lose their jibblies over it because... Look, right now, we're looking here in the red. So what is, what is the purple line? The purple line is the stock to flow on a 10-day run. The green line is stock to flow. Can on you a- explain what the stock to flow is? I don't know what that like. Honestly, I don't know if I can at this point. I think it's like a model that you use in traditional finance. Honestly, I'm not. Let's just Google look. It has it. to do with like mining, right? Has the to stock do with to the, flow the, is a number that shows how Bitcoin. many. Hold, I got it right here. The stock to flow is a number that shows how many years at the current production rate are required to achieve the current stock. The higher the number, the higher the price. Stock divided by flow. So what, what do you mean by stock? Stock is probably available currency. Flow is the amount, income. the volume. The inflation of that currency? It's the, I think it's the, the block movement? rewards. The volume? Block rewards, right? Oh, shit. Here's, here's something. Stock to flow 10 days. Purple line indicating what is the model price in selected currency. It has already been said that the stock to flow is a relationship between total stock against yearly production. In this 10-day line, we take a production in 10 days, divided by the 10, and then multiply by 365, okay, to get the estimated yearly production and this calculate stock to flow. You might ask yourself, why is this line, why this line is not more flat? This is just because time between blocks is 10 minutes. Only in ideal cases, sometimes it's less and sometimes more. So that's kind of stock to flow. An ideal situation in one day, there should be 144 blocks mined. So like I said, it's it's the block reward. That's the flow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so it's going to be going board. down, right? So as a flow goes down, stock to flow goes up. So that's why you get like a prediction. It's, it's one of the aspects of this. Yeah. yeah. It's like so it's, it has to do with yeah. gold. It's like when you when you when the gold um stopped flowing essentially, the value of gold increased yeah. even faster because you had less supply. So some more um comments about coming from out here. Oop, 
We got Wayne. Stock to flow shows how much supply enters the market relative to total supply. I was telling yeah. us all these things. Okay. You know. So the Corey, this is why Bitcoiners just get so com- overconfident because they look at this model. I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, so like this is a like 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 Wayne's saying here. This is important. Like, like Bitcoin is is unique, uh, or like was the first in terms of giving you the ability to predict this with a very high degree of accuracy for all future. So you know the total supply and you know the flow for all time to a very high degree of accuracy because the only the only variable here mostly is is block time, which is dependent upon hash rate. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not exactly 10 minutes because hashing is probabilistic. Yeah. So like, but it's, it's, it's but like, but like that's that's a very important thing, and because of that, investors are able to make much more accurate predictions on, um, like when they look at like volume, current pricing, how they value things. Like that's not that's not a that's not much of a variable, whereas previously you had like that was a much larger variable you had to take into account. So you've removed a variable from your ability to predict things if you're looking at it from a traditional finance perspective. If you're really looking at chicken bones. And looking at stuff like these spikes are getting smaller, right? So what's the next one going to look like? Just a flat line, like right here at 100, and that's just where we stay forever. Like I don't know. This that's if you're looking for chicken bones. So right? so so the so the original comment from Wilbert was that this predicts a price of Bitcoin going from in between 100k to 288k by the end of the year. Now, and if we look from historical reference. We seem to see a reasonable degree of accuracy with price and the stock to flow model, like following it. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So we all learned something together. Corey learned what stock to flow. Well, I learned what stock to flow is. I've seen this model for years now, and it, I usually look at it right before bed with some jerk <laughs> and a towel. And I, I actually was, don't have that much Bitcoin, despite owning the Bitcoin podcast. I don't own that much Bitcoin. In I have in the past, but I don't. I, I just I have I have that's enough. Good. It's the smallest, like percentage wise, in my portfolio. I'm not gonna lie. It's just that's... smallest. No, but <sighs> oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. That was rude, audience. That was rude. Yeah, I'm yawning. Like... You're yawning, and you're driving. So be careful. Um, or if you just... <laughs> let's wrap it up. You're yawning. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening to another week of. The Bitcoin Podcast. This is episode number 345. Uh, go ahead and check out Force Dow. Just uh, do like he said in the interview. Yeah. Google Force Dow, D A O, Distributed Autonomous Organization. Uh, there's an airdrop that you're probably too late on. Sorry, but you know. No, we're getting this out in time. Okay. To, to, okay. I, think, I think we're getting out in time to learn about what they're going to be doing. That's kind yeah. of the point. Yeah. So go ahead and join, become a patron. You know, you can, uh, you know, you can support us, you know, we can give, make us better. We can higher production value. We can, you know, get better video cars that really mute Corey's dogs. Like, you know, we can do all kinds of stuff. Whoa. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. We can, we can, um, we can get, I don't know, Jesse, you must pay an arm and a leg for hair care products with just luxurious hair like that. So. Jesse might need some more. Ah, dude, he uh, uses regular ass like Maybelline. Uh, does just like Vidal soap 
for bar soap. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bar soap all over the body. That's that's the guy way, right? Like <laughs> maybe he's born with it. Um Let's see. Please uh, join the Slack. Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com and join the Slack. Uh, you could scan this QR code here and you could subscribe to the Bitcoin Podcast if you want. Uh, boom. Boom. You could pause it. You could scan it. You can do what you need to do with it. But the do like it says, scan me. Scan that right there. Pull out your smartphone. Look at it with the camera. Or if you're out. watching this, just like. Push the button right below you. So that's yeah. No, no. We want you to. We want you to. <laughs> that do also. That night. also works too. Like you just click the button you're already on. So that also works. We're gonna do it the hard way. Take out your phone. <laughs> go to the camera app. Scan it. If you don't, if your phone can't do that, it's really old or a flip phone. In that case, I apologize. Please just go to YouTube and subscribe to us. Now. Um, and you know, in that Slack is where you can uh, join a network of individuals that um will give you uh not access like when i say access it's not like you're getting like the keys to the, the crypto kingdom but you'll get people that work in crypto are highly highly technical uh, can answer questions take the time to answer questions so long as you're not a shit poster uh there's we a won't shill anything you know, yeah. we don't chill really there's not i mean there are some we people that chill. chill there's some people we that chill, chill but it's like yeah. Uh, I would say no one is shilling anything unreasonable. Yeah, it's not unreasonable. Based shilling. on so if you if you trust our judgment and you feel as though we're reasonable, we don't allow what we would consider unreasonable things to be shilled in Slack. So yeah. like, and 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 shill. I think shill is the bad word. People are like passionate about the projects they're in, and if there happens to be a project that's gar that we deem as garbage, we don't really like. Yeah, we're not going to put. You, you're going to need to. Def- let's put it this way: you're going to need to defend it because it's going to get like there's going to be criticism and questions if you bring something to the table, and if you're not able to defend it, you're going to get kicked out. So, like, there needs to be if you if you if there is an ability to defend it, then we'll say cool, let's look into it, and we'll and we'll we'd like to learn more. I think that's the differentiator, right? Like, if it doesn't stand up to scrutiny, then it will not pass the sniff test for the community. He hit the nail on the head right there. We sniff out the bullshit. All right. So that face, that face right there is what happens. Clip it. <laughs> uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can go to that app. You can subscribe. Please leave us a five star review. It helps us help you. Uh, you know, people will be like, hey, man, I really like this show. You should listen to it too. And then somebody was like, you know what? I'm going to take that advice. They push the play button. And now we're bringing joy into their life too. So that's what you should do. Give us a five-star rating. If you want to give us a four-star rating, uh, you can go fuck yourself. We're dead serious with that. <laughs> um, Shout-outs. Shout uh, Shout-out to Meg the Stallion, baby. Keep doing your thing. She got a Grammy for shaking that ass. A Grammy, bro. Who shakes their ass to a Grammy? Meg the Stallion does. Look at that. Look at that. She literally got understand. a Grammy for shaking shaking ass because her songs are terrible. So <laughs> like, it's, just, it's amazing. It's it's amazing to me. Um, shout out. What do you to, think about uh, Doja Cat? I think she's uh, I think she is. Very bad at being a musician, but very, very, <laughs> very good. At being a character for the internet 
and looking um she is an attractive lady these are facts i can't deny that um but as far as her musicianship oh bag of garbage big old bag of Damn. shit. yeah not very okay. good at all yeah just curious it's not her fault though she does pop music pop music by definition is garbage but hey bruno catchy. mars is not garbage it's catchy <laughs> but it's not Bruno Mars isn't garbage, and he makes Bruno pop. Mars music. is not garbage. Well, he makes R and B kind of like mm. what is pop? Funk? R and B funk pop? R and B funk pop? He's a definition of he's a definition of pop. He's a definition of pop. <laughs> pretty poppy. He's the fucking man. Uh, all right, shout out to uh, I don't know who I shout out to next. So just yeah, <laughs> that's no icon. The I'm slime. I'm slime. Like, ah, there we go. Yeah, oh, Doja shit. Cat. I have to do it. Shout out to Doja Cat. Uh, you do you, girl. Uh, you're putting it out there. Uh, shout out to Lori Harvey, uh, Steve Harvey's stepdaughter, uh, but looks enough like Steve Harvey uh, that it's weird that it's just a stepdaughter. And then Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, it's weird. I mean, you're like, she's not oh, biologically related to him, but looks like she could be. Uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, for locking down Lori Harvey because, I mean, if you saw the previous picture, the man probably put on his – I mean, he was coming at her. I mean, he, wasn't, he wasn't coming at her like Pepe Le Pew. He was laying it down. He was like, girl, look, let's just put the facts. I was in Creed. I was in Creed too. I was in Black <laughs> Panther. My name is Michael B. Jordan. Look at my chest. We're dating now. And she was probably like, fair enough. Uh, a shout out to, of course, Michelle Obama. You know, for paving the way for being the flyest first lady of all time. Jeez, man, look how well dressed she is in that picture. That is a really blows, cool outfit. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. Before her, it was Eleanor. Oh, Eleanor Roosevelt bringing in the fashion. But no, Michelle. What are you oh, wait, wait, wait. Are y'all doing extreme close ups? Yeah, you want to join us? Y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> no, because I don't want my computer to shock. Oh, and shout out to shout out to old girl from Black Panther doing her thing. Look at her go. Still don't know her name. Cool. Uh, yeah. What is it, Jessica? I don't know her name. But shout out to her from <laughs> Black Panther and uh, that movie uh, that uh, Key from Key and Peel or Peel is a Key. Get Peele? out. Yeah, no, she wasn't in Get Out. She was in the other one, the second one that he made. What was the other one? That was a good one. Among Us? I think it's Among Us. That's a game. That's a game. It's a video game. Among Us was a great game. Among Us is a game. It still is a game. You can still play it. Hold up. Maybe somebody said it in the chat. Us? It's just called called Us. Us. There we go. So you you halfway said it. (laughs) So (laughs) is there anything else we need to do? Like, subscribe. Oh, wide face. Oh, wide face. Zoe out there. <laughs> Shout out to you, Zoe Saldana. Rocking them wide smiles. Making everybody see those teeth. We love it, boo. We love you, boo. We do. Let's rock and roll. Play. Wait, did we do a commercial again? Because this is really funny. Should we just cut to the out? Are you working in a job that sucks bows? Does your job suck and ergo your life? Do you want to change that because your life is sucking? Join the TBP Slack. Get a better job. That uh, chick playing with the chimes is the best. That's, that will always be funny, dude. That will always. 
<laughs> you yeah. like suck. suck uh, make more of those. Make more of those. Make make give the people what they want. I'm the people. All right. Should I make another one? <laughs> Should I make one for four style? See if I can just do it make whatever you want. Do it. Do whatever you want. We'll play it. Um, let me see if I can do so with the force. Um, oh, you want to? You trying to jingle? You're gonna bring back the jingle for force style. I don't have the jingle flow in me right now. I think. I All right. Well, then we'll do it another time. Yeah, we'll do it some other. When time. they give us a bunch of money. Yeah, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> we we would be terrible. Um, play the outro.